0: to Manumet the Mind Conversation Series, Session 1. I'm Robert, and this is Grace. And today, we're going to be exemplifying the Manument the Mind principles in practice with a question prompt. And I will prompt you this question. How do you feel about the way we communicate now that Manumet the Mind has coalesced into the form it is in this moment?
1: I think it definitely provides a very intentional framework for communication that we've built over the course of our relationship. Um, And obviously it touches on a lot of different factors that can be challenging in normal conversations such as the importance of being honest and transparent about your feelings and also giving the partner space to also feel their feelings and then also um, you know practicing the articulation of speech and body language and tone, which is all, Coincides with how we interpret conversation. So I think all of those things that we've identified as, you know, areas of conversation that can be impactful to the people who are talking, I think those are the frameworks that we're looking at when we have improved our conversation. So in the past, um, I feel like we were not as able to. One understand our feelings in a productive manner like for instance I would feel it and then I w- it would just linger and I would be you know defensive or sulk or whatever instead of just feeling it and then communicating that with a partner what um, do you
0: feel changed what created that change of sort of bottling up what was what was that change for you
1: um, i like, i think the importance was on you know understanding that feelings are important and that they're also important to drive the conversation forward because it's not a isolated thing that happens just with ourselves especially when we're you know looking at a couple relationship you know feelings are important there's no need to you not feel what you feel or whatnot. I see.
0: You. So you're saying that because it sort of encourages you and puts the responsibility on you to understand how you feel and why you feel that way, that that was sort of a pathway for you to not bottle up your feelings but to embrace them because the room was sort of given to allow you to feel those feelings and feel them wholly. And how they land for me in the articulation and and the, the bringing out of them yeah is that...
1: yeah i think that's true i mean i think traditionally you know and speaking from my experience a lot of couples they feel what they want to feel but then they feel like they have to take care of it themselves mm-hmm. and like you know if i'm upset i'm gonna go you know de-stress on my own or i'm gonna lash out on my own and then there's not often a Understanding period that happens, or a because process definitely gradient that
0: of responses. There could be the yeah. you know, oh, they're feeling this way. I need to walk away yeah, immediately because I don't want to deal with it. Right. I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah and, then,
1: and, yeah. and that that was definitely my motive. You know, operative <laughs> is to like withdraw when yeah. I feel you know heavy emotions. But then I think what we've done. Really well at is understanding that there's a lot of room for growth and mutual understanding in feeling, mm-hmm. right? So when we feel something, you know, we're, it's a, we're giving ourselves permission to feel it, even with each other, mm-hmm. but then also realizing that we can have space to then talk about it and talk about why we feel that way mm-hmm. and then push the conversation forward to how we can make things better in the future.
0: How do you feel about the idea of ubiquitous validity in how you feel? Because, one, at the point in time when you felt the feelings you felt, based on the data that was around you and what was presented that contributed to those feelings, it's valid. It's perfectly valid. Mm -hmm. Given the fact that no one can see all the data all the time or have a complete view of the picture, So understanding that that is inherent of each individual, it lends this idea of a ubiquitous validity principle where your feelings felt are completely valid. And it's my job in your articulation to try to see which viewport you were looking through to make you feel that way and vice versa, right? So how do you feel about that introduction and that sort of articulation there Mm -hmm. in in the mindset. Well, how has that helped us?
1: I mean, I think that's really important. I feel like a common thing that makes, you know, couples argue or whatnot is because they don't feel heard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if we're looking at it from that lens, obviously, you know, we're feeling what we're feeling and then we're also voicing how we feel and why we feel that way. That's, mm-hmm. you know, an obvious method of feeling heard at that point in time. So I think that's definitely really important. Um, and something that, you know, is helpful for us for sure.
0: You asked me a question.
1: Um, related or off topic?
0: Related or off topic. We can sort of, you know, because I feel like our communication is sort of driven by these principles that it doesn't matter really what we talk about because there's a pathway to develop an understanding and to not let conversations die mm-hmm. and part of that is the practice of instead of allowing oneself to have an inner monologue of having one-to-one parity with the other person that's speaking by replacing that inner monologue with their speech and I know personally for me I'll often find myself kind of murmuring as though I'm I'm speaking the words that you're saying or anyone else is saying Mm -hmm. and it's because if I feel like I'm speaking the words I can let it land and let it resonate inside of myself and I can feel the feelings as though I were saying them and then in that there will be an immediate pause if there's something that doesn't land so well and then I can interject and say, oh, well, uh, unpack that for me, or I don't understand that. Or, you know, if they're using a terminology that I don't necessarily even understand or I don't share the denotation or maybe even the connotation, that that's my interjection point if I need to not let them see the completion.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think kind of following that, that um description i feel like you touched on a lot of different things like i mean for lack of a better word that's pretty common for most people to understand is active listening right mm. so the sense of not letting your own reactions to what they're saying or feelings to what they're saying distract you from the actual words that are spoken so active listening and engaging them in conversation in that way and then also like the, the idea of putting yourself in some other someone else's shoes really is you're like you said you're kind of you know letting them take over your your brain so to speak in terms of the monologue that's happening right you um, know obviously like very much of an empathy or empathetic kind of connection because you're allowing them to really you know express their words and their feelings to you and letting those feelings, you know, be like something that you're very aware of at that point in time. So I think all, those are all things that you've kind of mentioned in that description, but I mean, I think you know, things like active listening, empathy, compassion, all that stuff, it's nice, like, buzzwords, but I think um, we've also gotten better at putting them to, putting them into practice by doing things like that. Sure,
0: because, yeah. again, there's these Thoughts, ideas, and beliefs that get disseminated. And then if one doesn't have a connection point to them, they're just thoughts, ideas, and beliefs. Like active listening, somebody could hear that and it not really have a meaning. They just have an idea of what it means, Mm -hmm. but no connection to it. So they don't get into a practice because they don't have a means of practicing it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this is taking active listening and putting a, a methodology behind it that is relatable, because it's through, well, and I mean, active listening may be defined, right? It yeah, may...
1: I think there's a whole, like, book on it, and there's ways yeah. to put it into practice, but... So,
0: I guess, because I haven't read those books, so yeah. I don't know how they recommend you to do it. What are, what are they typically...
1: Um, I mean, I'm definitely not an expert, but from what, 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 what I remember, typos? it's like, you know, you show engagement through body language so mm-hmm. eye contact how, how your body is you know
0: so it's like at a top-down level instead of a bottom-up level and what i mean by that is you know since everything throughout this manumit the mind endeavor is centralized in supplanting your association with thoughts ideas and beliefs which that sounds like thoughts ideas and beliefs it's you know well you need to pay attention to body language it's like okay well but still you're not forming an attachment to what really matters which is your feelings and how the words and the thoughts and ideas and beliefs register for you because if you're not taking the time to nix that attachment to those thoughts ideas and beliefs and trying to understand how they make you feel then I I feel like that's very dangerous that can be I feel like that's how wars get started right because you You roll up a society into this idea of something and they may not even know or have an attachment or even have a meaningful association or relationship with that thing. And all of a sudden they're following you behind it and they haven't registered how it feels to them because of one thing or another.
1: Yeah, I mean... I mean that, that, that could be true I mean I think at that point it's like that feeling of like that gut feeling that happens like you want you want to be able to feel something and then have I suppose a reaction to it in some ways yeah but I mean I don't know but here's a, a question for you then like because sometimes there's feelings that are very heavy and you know could be negative or whatnot, right Or perhaps you have a partner or someone that you're talking to who is not, you know, the best person for you to be around in whatever fashion. So how do you honor how they're feeling towards you, perhaps in, like, a unhealthy way? And following this principle, you know, you want to kind of have their inner monologue in your mind, right, and feel what they're feeling. How do you do that in a way that's still... Healthy and still able to, sure, you know, kind of support your own emotions but yeah. also. Doing so that help hard. me
0: understand this hypothetical a little bit, because I could definitely see how if we're in a relationship where it's kind of it seems like you were elucidating an, an abusive relationship, sure, and so it's it's very difficult there because at some point you have to see that other person as. And again, in this hypothetical, I'm just trying to dial in what level of dangerous are we talking about? Mm -hmm. Because if this is a violent person, then you need to get professional help and involve some authority. Because there is no manner of articulating your feelings and listening and resonating with that person's feelings that's gonna help that person unless they themselves start investigating and adopting some principled mindset Mm -hmm. of empathy and compassion. Because if it's accelerated so far that it's violent, I feel as though that person needs mental help Mm -hmm. to reconnect themselves to their own humanity, which is where the meditation aspects and the understanding of your own self, you have to want that because that's work. That takes work. And without wanting to do that work, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just trying to encapsulate or understand in this hypothetical so that I can appropriately answer the question because that's the gradient there is you know a scaling factor of a situation
1: yeah well I was thinking more of like a emotionally unstable or perhaps an emotionally abusive you know partner potentially who may be sharing do
0: they show signs of empathy do they listen to you at times because you can nurture and cultivate that if they do have an attachment to their own humanity and want to get better. Because without that desire and that intention, we're talking about a difficult situation there that one may not be equipped to handle, right? Because sure, you could be putting in all this work and you could be putting in all this energy and effort, but unless they can see that and in your articulation, register that you're trying and that it's meaningful and you're trying to connect with them and there's no reciprocation there. Again, that person, you need to get them some help, you know, some help because if it can't come from you, the closest person to them with the most exposure to them, who's it going to come from? I mean...
1: Well, let's let's back up a little bit because, you know, that's a, obviously an extreme example. Um, I think... My main question, or the essence of the question was, you know, how do you acknowledge and feel someone else's emotions and understand what they're feeling while still having some kind of separation between their feelings and yours? And I asked that because, you know, it's not uncommon for people to take on other people's feelings Mm. and then... Like for instance, it. like an empath or whatnot, right? Sure. And I think that's sometimes so, very challenging yeah. for people to to do that work and then feel like even more burdened by someone else's feelings.
0: I understand. That's that's a more pointed question than the scenario. I think right. Which I, I see be now what you're doing. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. And you know, if that is the scenario that you find yourself in, there's avenues, there's phone numbers, there's people that can help. But more pointedly, the answer to your question is part of this is nested in Buddhist principles and that you have to have an element of non-attachment, right? Where the empath scenario, where one could have trouble, is in the fact that you're attaching to that emotion and letting it sit and resonate and vibrate like a string on you. But you can still feel those feelings, let them go, and move forward with a sort of Bayesian mindset where your credences and picture of the world changes based on new new information, new data, and new interpretations coming in. So pairing some of those Buddhist principles and, and pulling in some Bayesian sort of principles from statistics, you sort of move yourself, you propel yourself forward in this desire to formulate an understanding in and not attaching yourself like a stake in the ground to how you felt at one point in time and carrying that forward. Because you can definitely have a conversation with somebody and then you could make a, I guess, for lack of a better word, an argument or a case. You can make a case for something that you felt at one point in time. And then they offer new information that you hadn't considered before, but you've still put that stake in the ground for how you felt then, and you feel that attachment, and it starts stirring up emotion, like anger, or self-doubt, or your self-worth is diminished, and then it affects your communication. So you have to sever that attachment. It's the same principle as if you had said something in the past, it's okay to say, well, wait, I don't actually mean that. You know, it's okay to renege on something that you had said. And this is where I feel like our political spectrum and our political sphere, it's deficient. Because if a politician says something 10 years ago and then they change their mind and say something different, they're seen as wishy-washy or inconsistent. That's the wrong mentality. We should encourage that. So long as they're moving forward to a societal a more inclusive societal view, right? And it seems like even in the face of the most pious of politicians, if their mind shifted from something that was objectively, or, well, there's nothing really objective because everything has an element of subjectivity to it. That's the matter of observation and interpretation, right? You could take the same data points, present them to two different scientists, two different doctors, and they interpret them differently. So is there really objectivity? Who's to say? We're all just subjective entities, but I'm deviating here. So, <laughs> But do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's that element of putting a stake in the ground into a feeling felt and carrying that forward and letting it impact conversation. Okay. That's the problem. I
1: mean, so that's the process. So for Maybe I didn't would, answer the question. Did I answer the question? So, right? po- <laughs> so for people listening, one, I mean, here's a couple, couple questions that I would have if I was new to this, right? Mm-hmm. Like one what is non-attachment and do you have to be Buddhist to practice this philosophy? Oh, sure. And and two, because a lot of it is, you know, I I, I strongly believe that a relationship is only as healthy as the individual's, right? Sure. So there's a, le- there's a level of, um, you know, growth and development that needs to happen individually so that the couple can communicate and be, you know, better off together. Certainly. So you know, let's say a couple, like we're struggling with this potentially, right? Or for example, let's say we have this problem and we're both trying to practice on attachment individually, Mm -hmm. you know? Is it like, how do we get to a space where we're still trying to discover it for ourselves, Mm -hmm. but then also trying to tie it into the relationship? Yeah,
0: I see where you're going. So in my mind, you know, No, you don't have to be Buddhist. You don't have to know what Buddhist principles are. You don't have to do any of that. Because in my mind, the way I feel about this, and this is through my own journey to this, simply by desiring and putting in the effort to understand what you feel and why you feel that way, there's an element of taking that outside perspective at yourself and, and seeing these things that are making you feel the way you're feeling and sort of diffusing them in a way, right? Because it almost feels like simply by having the mantra of how do we feel, why do we feel this way, how do we feel, why do we feel this way, you're making known these feelings and so that attachment to them is somewhat released because through understanding the power is let go. It's like yeah I understand that that's causing my problem or that person is doing that but I can't do anything about it. The only thing I can do is just understand how I feel and why I feel that way and be able to accurately articulate it to them Mm -hmm. and if they can't understand it or I make them feel a certain way about it they need to be able to tell me so that I can appropriately change what I do or articulate for them why I'm doing what I'm doing and my reasoning behind it. Because just shutting off and not moving forward and isolating oneself is never, or at least I don't wanna say never because it's a blanket statement and I'm not one for blanket statements, but it's not a good tactic to move forward for oneself or for other people. There has to be interconnection, communication, and a mutual desire to understand from my viewport. Otherwise, you're forever going to be disparate and there is going to be no connection. So why even try?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's maybe a good conversation for a different episode is, you know, how do we get to be on the same page where we want the same thing in our relationship, right? Sure. So that's a good question. Yeah, and the
0: only way you can get at that is, is by confusing. knowing how you feel,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what makes you feel that way, and being able to accurately articulate it between the two, so that you can envelop them in sort of a one whole of two scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I'll also, which is another, you know, part of our <laughs> offshoot of this philosophy that Great.
0: is more specific and 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 exemplified by a triangle pattern of the mindset at the top, the two individuals on the left and right, mm-hmm. and then progressing forward through time.
1: Yes. I also add here, like, going back to, you know, the non-attachment principle and, you know, learning and being able to not bring with you old or past feelings, mm-hmm. I feel like the 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 process of asking yourself, you know, what, what do I feel, why do I feel this way is such a... Moment-to-moment experience it changes, you know quickly. It's very varied. So I feel like if we're really being honest with how we feel from each second It's hard to take on past emotions because you should be trying to View your feelings in a new light each moment, right?
0: And in a lot of cases how you're feeling in the present moment is dictated by something that happened in the past Mm -hmm. The thoughts that you're having, the interrelations of what's currently happening, they're triggering thoughts and memories of something that occurred or a projection to what could happen in the future. Mm -hmm. And there's this element of slowing down that chatter, that decoherence in the mind that is created by registering your feelings and creating those attachment points to past events and dates. You have to resolve all those. You have to sit down and, and, and work your way through all of those before you can make any progress. Otherwise, it's too chaotic up there. It's too chaotic in the mind. It's just all over the place, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I, I think like this idea of non-attachment was the hardest for me to learn.
0: Hmm. How yeah. did, What makes you, or I guess, one, what makes you feel that way, and what do you feel like you can attribute your success to overcoming it? Or... Is there success? Are you still struggling with it? I
1: mean, I still have moments where I feel it, but I also know better than to indulge indulge in it. Um, I think, like I've never been like an anxious person or someone who like worries a lot or things like that, but I think there's definitely been moments in my life where I've had, Like feelings that have persisted, and or I've like looked back on things and have had sad or you know negative emotions attached to those episodes or whatnot. So, I think in those instances, I mean, probably meditation for sure, which I (laughs) need to continue. Hmm. Um, That's one
0: of mine biggest pet peeves is that you don't meditate I, it. I have started <laughs> only because again. I feel like it's accelerated me towards something meaningful which is
1: mm-hmm.
0: establishing this better more constructive communication between us
1: yeah I mean it definitely has its benefits like like I said it. I think the biggest benefit I've seen from it is that it stops the internal chatter mm-hmm. as much and allows me to just be still which is obviously very useful when it comes to listening to other people mm-hmm. or um, not I, indulging in like feelings as I'm, as I'm thinking about it. Yeah. At the same time, I feel like I also have to realize also that like, at, at, when, I, when I was first exploring meditation, I thought it was like a total lack of attachment, almost like an indifference. Mm. and so I had to really figure out what was the best process for me because mm. I don't think indifference is the same as non attachment it's
0: not really clear right in these in all of these meditation they I feel like they focus on the end result too much and not the process because in, in all the meditation books I've read you know they focus on the breathing and they focus on you know not letting thoughts come in and all these other things but I'm left wanting in terms of, well, okay, I, you know I could do that. Sure, it's difficult. I need something further to further that process. And for me, it was this, right? It was, how do I feel? Why do I feel that way? How do I feel, why do I feel that way?" And then that chatter goes away into a coherence, and I'm no longer asking that question because there are no answers, because there are no thoughts left. There's no nothing there to resolve.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: from there. I'm just feeling I'm just feeling the percussive nature of the heartbeat the modulation of the breath observing that and then the focused attention is sort of like a ball bearing a small pinhead of a ball bearing that is following all of this stuff and it sort of coalesces into one feeling and then it's in that one feeling that unified cohesive coherent feeling that the brain can start to do what it does best and filter it starts to filter that experience and you start to get that farmer's sense going where you know you smell a terrible smell and two minutes later it's gone you can't smell it anymore you walk away you come back oh geez there's that smell again you know and so it's through that filter that then the body wants to feel something novel it wants to Have more stimuli. It wants a a novel stimuli to attribute to and there's nothing left within you to attribute it to So it starts looking outward and that's where that escape from yourself comes where you're starting to feel The pressure of the room you're starting to feel the the air currents. You're starting to feel the noises You're starting to feel everything. It's not of you anymore. It is of everything that's that's sort of what I found to be useful because that's exactly what meditation is for me mm-hmm. in that description. I describe it so well and so fluidly because that is my experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, that I makes mean, so I was going to say something, but I lost. <laughs> I forgot my response.
0: Sorry, I kind of took over the.
1: No, no, no. I mean, I think you always explain things well. Um,
0: but so, in your practice, where. Do you feel like the ayah? Are you itchy? Do you need a bath? In your meditation practice, where do you feel like the work needs to be done? What's the most difficult thing for you? Just the, the recurrent nature, trying to get the, on, on a schedule, on a frequent schedule?
1: No, I think it's still the monkey chatter.
0: The monkey chatter. Which is
1: what, what it's, it's typically labeled as in a lot of texts that I've read. It's um, like the... The monkey mind. Yeah, it's, you know, being distracted by little things or, like... I mean, I've gotten to a point... Especially if, if like, I've had a stressful day or, if like, um, if something, you know, doesn't go well between the two West and I am in a bad mood, whatever, mm. like...
0: Those attachment to emotions are brought into the practice and because it's not frequent enough, it's like you sit down and there's a recurrence. Because you're still going over the some of the same scenarios, maybe brand new ones, but it's still it's still a difficulty because you're not consistent in your frequency.
1: No, I was actually gonna say it's gotten a lot better. Oh. <laughs> um, we'll just edit that. Out. <laughs> I was just gonna say that, like, because I've been able to meditate, and I think the biggest thing for me is. Realizing that I am not my feelings Hmm. because it is such a moment to moment experience. Like, there's no way that we're all the feelings that we've experienced. You know what I mean? Like, it, it changes so frequently, and it's only like a part of how we experience the world. So, realizing that I'm not my feelings and that I have some control over how I choose to perceive them or choose to respond to them and how I choose to then navigate how I interact with others has mm. been really big for me because I have a I generally have a tendency to like be in my feelings and want to sulk and want to <laughs> indulge and that comes more naturally to me where I think that is um I think it's just how I grew up to be mm. honest like I mean I was the only child I was very introspective as a kid like I was also like if there were heavy emotions around I was always the one to kind of feel that out and, like, take on those emotions and make other people feel better in some ways. Mm -hmm. I feel like that was just normal to me. But obviously when it comes to a relationship, and now that we're married, like, that's not healthy (laughs) for either of us. (laughs) So it's, it's, you know, provided more incentive to not do that. And then I think with looping in this type of communication and the way that we're then... Allowing ourselves to feel what we're feeling and not demonize it and
0: articulating it, right? Because that's, that's the important part right. is you can feel all you want to but without that articulation it's useless mm-hmm. to, to, the, to the other people around you mm-hmm. and
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think most of like the and this is again from my experience but for what I've seen is that most of the arguments and Misunderstandings that happen between couples is a lack of communication because we don't know what the other person is thinking. Mm-hmm. We're assuming that they're feeling a certain way, and then because of that, we we then change our own reactions to accommodate theirs to some degree, right? Mm-hmm.
0: And it's the language used as well because, right? You know, if if you're again shifting the focus from the topics or the events and back to how they how it made you feel, there's a certain diffusal in that. Response like feeling vil- vilified or feeling attacked or something mm-hmm. because you're 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 merely elocuting how it felt for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, all of the things that seem like you know the things like like washing the dishes and arguing over that or like mm. arguing over little things. It's mostly just a matter of like you make me feel like I'm not like I'm the only one taking care of the house. You know, there's no. other feelings yes, behind exactly. that. So let's get to the root of that. And then articulate that, and have a more productive mm-hmm. conversation. Conversation and
0: output and mutual understanding, because it should be a stervation. Stervation?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We, we should be striving. Striving. <laughs> I feel like striving. I don't, that I don't think that's the word. <laughs> oh
1: well,
0: it feels like it should be. So we should be striving. there should be a mutual. I wanted to
1: say. A mutual yeah. striving. We should
0: both be striving to garner a mutual understanding so that we can you know move on to the next understanding and the only way you can do that is to attempt to understand how someone else feels in my viewport yeah and look at the world or try to see things through their viewport and try to feel what they feel but you know that that that's a little bit maybe a little bit too extreme for some people
1: I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I feel like it touches on two things, right? One, one of it, which we're trying to do, is have a conscious relationship mm-hmm. where we're not doing things because it's the way to do it or because it's what's easy. We're trying to do more of an extreme version of things in terms of going beyond what's perhaps, you know, automatic, right? And trying to reframe... How we interact. And pulling how we,
0: each other out of each other's default. Moment. Right,
1: right. And having a more conscious relationship. Which mm-hmm. I'm
0: sort of glad you went there and I'll let you see the completion because mm-hmm. I would, Go ahead.
1: Well, I think the other thing is like because you mentioned that it seems a bit more extreme or whatever. Sure. Like, but I don't think so because I mean, we're all humans. We're all trying to feel good and have others feel good, right? So and that context, it's, it should be...
0: Unless you adhere to the schadenfreude mindset of
1: oh. deriving
0: enjoyment from other people's...
1: <laughs> Which I feel like is like a small percentage. Well,
0: but that's... Well, I mean, who's to say?
1: We should interview one of those people. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean... But, you know, again, even if, even if you had two extremes talking, it's not that you're trying to convince the other person of something, it's that you want to understand why they feel the way they feel. And what makes them feel that way? Mm. And that's the only... I mean, at the culmination point of a conversation with two opposite ends, you don't have to persuade the other person. You can just have a mutual understanding. Oh, I see why you see it that way. I just don't agree with it. And then that that could be it, you know?
1: Mm. Do you feel like in a, in a couple scenario where they're, you know, together or married or whatnot, like, are there things that are big enough where there's where that kind of right where where there's like i see what i see why you feel that way but i don't agree with you is there anything that's so monumental that that would be a a deterrent (laughs) you know
0: i mean i I don't know because i feel like
1: i guess that's individual to each couple
0: yeah i mean if you quantify it and understand it then maybe it can be there and through that understanding, I don't, I don't know. It's it's difficult without a concrete example, right? Because I could extrapolate out and try to put a scenario, but then I'm wondering, well, how did they get there? You know, yeah. how is that a thing? How do they feel that way? Why do they feel that way? Without yeah. that understanding, we can't talk it through and potentially change someone's mind. I mean, because you yes. can see, you can, you know, it's that Bayesian idea where new information, new interpretations are coming in. You should feel free to update your perspective and your viewport on the world. Based on how you feel about the new information and the new interpretation. Mm. And if you're not doing that and you're clinging to that, you're just merely clinging to a principled idea at that point. Mm -hmm. And what good is that? You know, what Mm -hmm. good is it to carry it forward if you no longer feel an attack or feel like it describes or it resonates with you at all?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think this principled behavior or principled approach. You know, going back to non attachment, I think that can get tricky sometimes because you you may find that your principles are may not be as current as what you're currently feeling, Mm. and so you have to kind of reconcile that a little bit and be. And
0: hopefully, you diminish your odds of finding yourself in that situation because now you're just inherently doing it at every moment because you're separating your more complex language centers, you're detaching it from your communication and reattaching it to how you feel. Because really, all you're doing is interpreting feelings from your cells, and then they're telling you, and then your brain is, is filtering that or interpreting it, and, then, and now you're putting language to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I feel like a lot of people get in trouble because they speak first and don't register their feelings before they speak, and then they say something that doesn't feel good to them.
1: I've had that happen to me before. <laughs> right, yeah. And it's
0: it doesn't feel good.
1: Yeah, because then you're like, why did I say that? Or I didn't mean it like that. And I wish it didn't come out like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And,
0: you know, maybe if you had flipped the script a little bit and put your feelings first, how something someone else said, something someone else did, or what have you, let if you're more closely co-aligned with the feelings, and then let it pass through the language centers and out your mouth, who's to say you wouldn't be more successful? Yeah. I feel like I am personally mm-hmm. by doing that and leveraging that tactic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's you know that has the that pause in between understanding and then acting is such a a common theme in a lot of the things that we do, like Buddhist principles and meditation and. How we then react to something I feel mm-hmm. like I might mean, think a lot of texts call it the sacred pause but it really not is really. so important <laughs> because it gives you the opportunity to not let your automatic nervous system take over it gives you the opportunity to kind of take a step back and then with more consciousness act in a way that's appropriate mm-hmm. right so I, I, I definitely agree with that and
0: well I feel like we've talked at ad nauseum, (laughs) and I feel like it was a great first episode. What what
1: was the original question again? (laughs) Should we
0: go over the original question?
1: Just one more time.
0: Just to see where we ended up and what the inciting event was.
1: Well, I think, like, one thing that I enjoy about our conversations is that, like, we start from point A, Mm -hmm. but then we discuss a lot of the things in between and then end up at a completely different level of conversation. So, I mean, it's it's good because it's, like, always growing and not, you know... Stagnating. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: so nice. the inciting question was, how do you feel about the way we communicate now that manumit the mind has coalesced to the form it is in this moment?
1: So we should both summarize it in one sentence. Oh. Just to wrap up what we talked about. <laughs>
0: okay. Should you go first or should I? How do
1: you feel? Okay. Um, I feel that it has brought a... More intentional awareness of my own development and our mutual development as a couple.
0: See, this is dangerous because I automatically want to probe deeper here (laughs) as it makes me feel certain, you know, questions and I want to unpack it. So, Mm -hmm. but anyways, keep going.
1: But we're going to leave that for next time. Yeah. (laughs) But, but, I mean, because... So to backtrack a little bit, I just, I'm cheating right now because <laughs> um, I think one sentence. I know, but some background information. So I think a lot of Buddhist texts and just texts in general, like they regard relations to be a very spiritual practice, and I've always thought that whether regardless of what you know religion that you subscribe to. But anyway, I think this has also brought into practice in a more you know, evident way of a way that we can then develop ourselves and our and together as a couple and to grow because it's both an active engagement for us spiritually, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it is for me. To that to the point where we can then, you know, become this very in sync, you know, actualized couple where we can have this free flowing of ideas and feel it's totally safe and supported in that.
0: Certainly. I agree. And I feel very excited at it because, you know, I sort of see you in your life and you being the product of that life and me being the same, a product of my own life and my own, you know, past history and everything. I see us as we were as very different people. Like polar opposites in certain ways and...
1: When you first met or you...
0: Or, you know, even from the inception of our relationship (laughs) to now, it has sort of been this evolution of us seeing things we don't like about ourselves in how we communicate with each other. And through this now tool, through this tool, we are capable of communicating both what I don't like about how I communicate, what you don't like about how you communicate, what you don't like about how I communicate, what I don't like about how you communicate. Mm-hmm. And so we're sort of massaging each other into this better version of ourselves through communication and through, attach, not necessarily attaching, but through the desire to look at why we feel the way we feel and what is making us feel that way. So that encapsulation is sort of propelling us forward to make each other better continually mm-hmm. through this process and th- that's exciting yeah, <laughs> is it, it not exciting it it's kind exciting. of cool to watch because we're right there as it's happening and watching it happen and it's fun mm-hmm. i'm having
1: a blast yeah it, it makes like it kind of makes like our relationship feel a little bit like a game in a good way mm-hmm. like we have to level up and, <laughs> uh-huh. well, I, <laughs> and do things. I always
0: hated this <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean i don't know i think it, it just it makes it more fun because again you're not just doing what you're doing every day you're trying hmm. to actively work and get better right yeah and that's fun i was just going to add um because we've talked i've mentioned several times how we're kind of mirrors for each other mm-hmm. because we have things in the, both of us that we like in the other that we don't like in the other and vice versa right mm-hmm. so i think in that way and also the fact that we come from very different backgrounds we're kind of polar opposites in upbringing and all mm-hmm. those values and things like that so it's interesting that we've still been able to like grow together and find more and stay together <laughs> <laughs> stay, stay together and also find more Ways to, you know, have commonalities Mm -hmm. as we grow, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. So Cut. Cut.
0: (laughs) Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like this, you can catch us on an interval every other Saturday at midnight. Catch you next time.